live long and prosper. I'm going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. What a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. Hey, whole Kermit's frog here. Your ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 132 of A Play on Nerds, our Halloween special. Uh, and this week, we're going to be talking a lot of Halloween stuff, uh, but also Ernest Scared Stupid, one of the Halloween classics, a cult classic, uh, if you've seen it. I love, it's one of my absolute favorite Halloween films, and I'm so excited that we get to talk about it. And I'm Jarman, and this is my co-host. I'm Steve, and we're going to co-host the hell out of this spooky Halloween spectacular. Ooh, it's been a good October. We've done a lot of spooky episodes. A lot of Yeah, I think we've kept it on theme. I think we got some so. good holiday stuff coming up, too. I hope we can do some stuff. Oh, like. of course we will. Oh, some of course. Thanksgiving, perhaps. Oh, uh, yeah. We're going to stuff it full. I think we already missed Canadian <laughs> Thanksgiving, but we have regular It's okay. I'm not Canadian. That's true. <laughs> we don't celebrate <laughs> Boxing Day either, so screw that. No, <laughs> I don't no even, we don't. I don't even know what that entails. Sean, why don't you tell us what Boxing Day is? <laughs> or Paul. I, I don't know if Sean celebrates it. It's going to be a UK thing. Oh, I thought Canada. I thought Canada had it too. Maybe they do. Okay, Sean, you let us know if you have it. <laughs> <laughs> and Paul, you let us know what it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or do, they don't Peter Hitch. He can tell us as well. Uh, anyways, Anyone who wants to inform us, I refuse to Google it. <laughs> so. I refuse. <laughs> For so, American reasons. <laughs> so what have you been up to since our last episode? <laughs> Uh, well, since our last episode, two very exciting things happened. Uh, the first is I actually got to play Dungeons and Dragons. Finally. It actually happened. Holy Toledo. <laughs> we finally had our session zero. It, probably, it was meant to be session one, but it really ended up being session zero. Gotcha. Um, and we just had some good character stuff and kind of established who we are and kind of got the lay of the land. Uh our, our DM has told us this is going to be a much more open world campaign. So we're kind of feeling our way through what that means. And the DM will basically be creating as you go kind of thing, as opposed to a pre-made campaign. Uh, yeah, I think last time he, he did a lot of work for the storyline. And then as we broke it, we broke him. <laughs> is really, I think really what it came down to to the point where he was, he felt like he was salvaging it. Hmm every week because we were messing it up. And I think he in general is just taking a much more free flow look at this campaign. So I hope it pays off. Oh, he'll be prepared for anything basically. Hopefully. Yeah. Or be willing to, to, to move with us instead of doing crazy planning weeks in advance, you know, that makes sense. Uh, and the other exciting thing is I saw it coming through town and found some cheap tickets and we took the kid to see Disney on ice. Ooh. Um, I think Ann and I can both agree. We have never seen our daughters so psyched the hell out about <laughs> anything. That's amazing. She went nuts, like clasping her hands and shaking them in front of her, like, <laughs> che- cheering at appropriate moments and like dancing wildly. That's amazing. Um, she went nuts, uh, specifically for the, to- uh, the toy story. One was the big one. Hmm. Uh, it was toy story. Uh, Little Mermaid, which we liked because it's more part of our culture than our daughters. Yeah, your generation. Uh, Cars, which was really lame. (laughs) So we thought it was going to be, you know, skaters in like anthropomorphic suits or something strange. 
And it was literally little like ice dune buggies that were clearly remote controlled. Weird. Possibly computerized. So they might have actually been on some sort of digital track um, that did this like 10 minute skit. Huh. It was real bad and easily the worst part of the show. I've just never been interested in that those cars movies at all. It just didn't appeal to me. Uh, and then the last one, which was Frozen, uh, which my daughter is just insane about, but she was a little nonplussed even. Really? Uh, yeah, we were kind of confused. We thought that was going to be the big thing that drove her insane. <laughs> and and she was kind of like, oh, yeah, there's Anna and Elsa. Hmm. <laughs> so it was more the uh, uh, the Toy Story for her then. Yeah, she went nuts. Toy Story ended up being the big hit. <laughs> that sounds adorable. Yeah, so so two big happenings in our life. Beautiful. Well, I uh, what about you? I threw a big Halloween party at my house, Ooh. and I told my mom I was throwing a Halloween party, and she's like, "Just like when you and Steven were kids, you threw one every year." And I was like, "Exactly." I finally get to do it again. <laughs> so. In fact, I listened to one of our Halloween episodes from a year ago or two years ago to kind of get mentally ready for this one. Mm-hmm. And in it, you were like, "And we used to throw these great Halloween parties, but you know, I kind of fell off now." But Maybe when I'm in my mid thirties, I'll start throwing them again. <laughs> well, I'm basically in my mid thirties now, so that makes sense. I'm just saying the prophecy is fulfilled. That's amazing. Whoa. I kid you not. I was just listening to this. That's episode. so funny. <laughs> yeah, because I just it's something I always want to get back to. And since I'm you know living in my house by myself now, and there's just no reason not to, so I had a cookout where I I made burgers and hot dogs for everybody, and suggested to have costumes, and we had bad movies playing in the background, and. Everybody seemed to get along really well, and uh, we had uh, the first time of my girlfriend, her her friends, and my friends kind of meeting in one place at the same time, and that went over really well. They seemed to like each other, so it's like mixing of two worlds, and it was really cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. A couple of our old friends from high school were there, but, uh, you know, it's a good time. And uh, then uh, there was a, a movie we saw, a trailer, we played a trailer for in this ep- on past episode called Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Oh, yeah. And it was a, a book that a lot of teens read in our generation because it wasn't for little kids. It was too scary, but it was like a kind of a young adult horror stories. And so it was PG-13 and me and Jolie went to go see it. And it was very disappointing to me. Um, just it, instead, I thought it'd be a bunch of short stories like like the books kind of. But instead, it tried to do like an overarching characters and stories to bring those stories together. And they set it up for like a sequel. And it was just it was just kind of lame and not scary. And I don't know. I guess kids would like it, but it'd be too scary for little kids, but not scary enough for adults. So it's like, I don't know what they're trying to do. So I do not recommend scary stories to tell in the dark. Okay. It just didn't, didn't come together the way you were hoping. Yeah. Like I can still enjoy kids movies like goosebumps and those kind of things, but just, this one just had no place. It just didn't know what it was doing. So don't recommend it, but special effects okay. were great. Like, you know, good practical effects, but that's about it. So right, I guess the, well, good wreck a warn and wreck a warn. Yeah. Or just complete warn. Yeah. Just a warn warn. <laughs> so let's hear some nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. All right. What you got for us, Steve? All right. So this week, the cheeky name for my cheeky story is if you can't beat them, teach them. All right. So at Fudan University in Shanghai, they have started to offer a class whose title roughly translates to apparently right, but actually wrong. Uh, The course covers 17 subjects, but primarily centers around differentiating methods for determining science versus pseudoscience. Interesting. Such as studies for vaccine risk and genetic superiority and genetic destiny kind of things. Uh, 
one of the instructors cited a, a prime example of a graph that was shown on local news channels comparing deaths at a local health center to deaths at a high-end comprehensive hospital. And it showed that there were so many more deaths at this high-end comprehensive hospital, but it fails to point out that the comprehensive hospital deals with fatal issues Ah. and deals with trauma and handles many, many more patients than the local health center. So of course they're going to have more, more deaths, right? But that such a chart can mislead the populace in a major way. That's interesting. Uh, So many students have signed up that there have been petitions to turn it into an online course. Uh, But actually some students that made it in are quitting because they're citing that they're only being taught to use common sense. (laughs) Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> but it's just so funny that that's why they're giving up because it's just common sense. <laughs> Be skeptical. <laughs> just read a little bit more. Don't believe headlines. Read the article. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, uh, if you can't beat them, teach them. I enjoy that. What university was it? Fudan University in Shanghai. Oh, interesting. Okay. We did that course over here in the U.S. That's right. Apparently right, but actually wrong. (laughs) Well, my story is something we talked about a long time ago, mentioned briefly on the podcast, which is this mysterious aircraft that they've had in space for a record amount of time. Um, It's and we know nothing about it uh, because the U.S. government refuses to say anything about it. Um, It's called the X-37B and it's shaped kind of like a space shuttle, but it's smaller and has no windows and there's no um, there's nobody in it. Like there's it's a, you know, what do you call it? A personless craft, whatever. Uh, right. So it's come back after a record time of 780 days orbiting the earth. Um, and originally it was shot up into space by the, um, the SpaceX rocket. Um, and it's just finally come back down and they reporters have been asking a bunch of questions about like, well, what was it there for? And they're like, we were doing experimentation and they're like, and that's all we didn't want to say right now. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just been up for a long time. It's crazy advanced technology for it to be up there so long um, and come back safely. Um, and we still don't think about it. So hopefully in the years to come, we'll find out what the hell they've been doing up there for 780 days. Uh, wow. Yep. The X three, seven B. And they said it might advance technology that they'll use for space force. They did say that. Uh, <laughs> so space force is becoming a real thing. But yeah. Space force. Space uh, at force. least someone's making a show about it. Yeah, so uh, it's just weird. I thought I'd update on that story from years ago when it, I guess it was two years ago when it actually went yeah, up. Yeah, it must have been. So crazy times. Who knows? Wow. Aliens. <laughs> I bet you the, the Venom symbiote's in there. Oh, that's true. Yep. That's what it is. Yep. It's going to come to life. <laughs> All right. So before we dive into our main segment of talking about Ernest Scared Stupid, um, when we were dreaming up this Halloween episode, we decided we were going to do a whole episode about haunted houses. That's right. We should give the history. Not houses haunted by ghosts, but haunted house attractions. Yeah. Uh, and we chose a movie that I watched called The Houses That October Built that was really bad. Yeah. I saw it years ago, um, so I couldn't remember if it was good or bad. And it was bad to the point where, you know, that we love doing bad movies. Sure. Like we're, and and we we're our best. This was the kind of bad that was going to be terrible to talk about for more than five minutes. Just boring bad. So we switched gears, uh, but we still want to talk about uh, our haunted house experiences Mm -hmm. and Germans continue haunted house experience at things like Halloween horror nights. Yes. I mean, 
uh, Steve spent most of his time growing up here in Orlando, Florida, where there's Halloween Horror Nights, which is a big attraction for uh, people in Orlando. It's at Universal Studios. Around 7 o'clock, they switch gears. Everyone has to leave and come back in and pay again or get a dual ticket where they can um, stay there for the whole night. And you go through several themed haunted houses and they do big uh, marketing campaigns with like stuff like Stranger Things is one of the haunted houses. Uh, this year they have killer clowns from outer space. Uh, they've had American some Werewolf years. It's Paris. a movie that they're pushing that's in their lineup or a character that they're pushing that's in their lineup. Right. Exactly. So I'm actually going to be going this year on Wednesday. Originally, we're gonna be, I was going to be going uh, today or yesterday, which would have been Sunday at the time of this recording. But I didn't get to go then. So we're going on Wednesday. Um, so I'll have to update and talk about it when we come back for the next episode. But um, yeah, did you, did you ever go when you were a kid growing up? Yeah, you and I went a few times. Um my clearest memory, and it was always kind of the same shtick. Mm-hmm. Like I remember there was a child's play haunted house one year and there was like a hospital thing. Um, and then they also have random performers just kind of wandering the universal studios grounds and they call them scare actors. And some of them are really simple. I remember the one that got me the worst was like, it's a little kind of hunched over figure. Mm-hmm. And, and just walked so slowly all the way up and got right next to us and then had a can with like something in it and shook it and rattled it. Oh, scared the crap out of me. They do have a lot of those cans. But, but like, but just super simple scare tactics. No, they have elaborate stuff, but it's not all elaborate. And also just growing up here and then staying here, a lot of my friends over the years have been scare actors there and they have auditions every year and everyone's like waiting on the list to see if they get in to be a scare actor and, um, Sometimes it depends what you look like. They need a certain size for different characters and stuff. But uh, I've known guys who go around with a chainsaw that has no chain on it. So it's just kind of scary and it sounds loud. Um, yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> uh, one of my clearest memories of Halloween Horror Nights mm-hmm. is one year we ended up going, I think, with Peter, our friend, mm-hmm. and his parents. Right. And Peter, though he loves horror films and he even reviews them, I think, on some sort of Facebook thing. He has a YouTube channel now. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a YouTube channel. He reviews horror films. Uh, he was a scaredy cat back then. <laughs> and so I remember we went through our first haunted house and he was behind me. And it got to the point where my throat hurt because he was grabbing the back of my shirt so viciously <laughs> at every single scare. So I remember telling him the next the, the next haunted house that I wasn't going in in front of him and he needed to go in in front of me. <laughs> that makes so sense. we we go in. He gets we're like halfway through. He gets spooked by something. I get kind of pushed backwards because he like recoils. I have to take a step back. An actor who is like on the side of the attraction that we don't know about is ready to pop out and scare us. But he wasn't expecting me to suddenly have to step back. And he comes out and his mouth lands on my ear. Oh, God. (laughs) And I remember he like stopped and he went, whoa, you okay? And I went, yeah, I think I'm fine. He went, all right, sorry. And then we just (laughs) moved on. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) But Peter, Peter got me two times that, that night at Halloween Horror Nights. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, they have big uh, waivers, the things like signs up saying, please don't touch the actors or don't attack them because they get attacked a lot because people are like, I guess their fight or flight kicks in and they want to hit somebody. Who's, who's a- I'm sure it happens. And I'm sure that sometimes it's just jackasses pretending, but I'm sure it's genuine sometimes. Yeah. Are there, are some, a lot of people try to scare the scare actors. It's like, what are you doing? Why are you even here if you don't want to be scared yourself? You're just like, you know. Because we're dark and edgy. Yeah. That's why we came to Halloween Horror Nights. We're alpha males. Yeah. 
It's just stupid. But uh, uh, let's go ride Jaws. <laughs> uh, I don't think that exists anymore, does it? Jaws is still around, I think. Is it? No, you're right. right. It's gone. It's gone. You're right. Ah. Uh, but I will say, I'm surprised that was Peter that did that to you because I am scared crapless in haunted houses. I'm no no good at it whatsoever. <laughs> so I was just clenching <laughs> so hard, like I could probably you know make a diamond out of my ass because I'm just so what's, scared. What's the worst theme for you? Uh, children. Probably okay. Like uh, there's a like few creepy little blood orphans and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like over the years, <laughs> there's been a few of those. Um, I can't remember. I think it was called La La Rona. La La Rona was the last time I went. It was this um movie they were pushing for a while about some you know Spanish ghost, and uh, there was a little girl in that haunted house and just scared the crap out of me. Um, but it's probably like That's a 17 fair. year old or 18 year old girl, but she looked like a little girl and it was like, oh yeah, Ugh. absolutely. The hair in the face, like the ring. That always that creeps me the hell out every time. What's your scariest thing? Um, Cans shaking in your face. <laughs> I remember that because it just caught me so off guard. And I think that's, I think when the art of distraction is used at its height is when I'm the scared, the most scared. That makes sense. I remember going into these, you know, the most successful scares that ever got me where you go into, you go into a room, a very simple room. And there are a lot of these kind of things. It's like a strobes flashing. And there's like a hanging doll hanging on the far side of the room right and it's swaying gently and you're just looking at it and you're like oh my god what that's what's that doll doll they're gonna do and you're getting closer and closer and then a guy from the right that you didn't even know was there pops out and you shit yourself at <laughs> universal studios yes gotta change. <laughs> like, good thing you wore your brown pants <laughs> I, I think when the art of distraction is used the best is when i get the most scared of those things and the good thing is but like oh the fake gore and that kind of like that doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I know like it's fake. So that, that's not what scares me or intimidates me. And they have a big budget at universal. So like they have trap doors and the ceiling sometimes reactors pop out of, and it's just ridiculous. And the production quality is wonderful. All the makeup and the, oh, absolutely. Scene, the scenery design. It looks like you're in a movie. Yeah. The basically. sets they use. It's really, it was great back then. I, I imagine it's so much even better now. Oh yeah. Cause they got corporate funding for like stranger things and Netflix is like paying them to, you know, Right. Partnerships and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and there's one in um at in Georgia and Atlanta. It's one of the biggest in the entire East Coast called Netherworld. And I believe it's okay. open year round, but it's it's you know, big pushes, obviously, during the Halloween season. But it's just a huge, huge haunted house with a giant budget. And it's just there all year round. And it's supposed to be like one of the scariest as well. So I, I never went. Wow. I was like, I don't want to go through that. <laughs> I'll probably have a heart attack. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I mean, I, I like being scared. I'm glad that it's only a one time a year kind of thing for your heart, <laughs> for my heart. Uh, uh, they have a Mickey's not so scary Halloween party, which I almost went to yeah. this year with somebody, but then didn't go. But uh, it's I just I don't know one thing I know kids. about about that from uh, I think one of my recommends defunct land is that uh, Mickey's Halloween party is, hosts some of the weird, most rarest character appearances. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Because you only see a handful of Disney villains most of the time, but that's when they break out older, weirder villains or less popular villains. <laughs> right. <laughs> like you might not see Hades that much anymore. Just pull him out. Right. right. Or like the villain from Mulan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is he doing? <laughs> right. Exactly. You don't see him ever. But during the Halloween celebration, they just bring them all. Out. <laughs> I had three lines. <laughs> And then there's uh, <laughs> the um, Bush Gardens. I know has you're used to anyways have like a haunted house type thing. Um, 
and then there used to be back in the day, there's a thing here called church street station in Orlando, which, uh, was eventually bought out by Ron or something, not Ron Perlman. That's the actor, Lou Perlman. He's the producer who produced the backstreet boys in sync. He eventually got arrested for shady business dealings and just being an all around creep ball, but he ended yeah. up buying church street and running it to the ground. But before that they had terror on church street, which was like a big open, like the whole, all the streets were closed off or like you know, scare actors walking around and haunted houses and stuff. And it was great. So there's probably things like that in your area. I'm sure if you live in a bigger city, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I've got a few examples of some of kind of the, uh, the biggest, scariest. Yes. That you're looking for. Uh, so Penhurst haunted asylum, uh, which was originally host. So this was set up in a building that was originally the Eastern Pennsylvania state institution for the feeble minded and epileptic. Oh my gosh. It closed in 1987 after allegations of abuse and death and has even been featured on a ton of those ghost hunter shows. Well, in 2010, someone bought it and turned it into a haunted house. Jeez. <laughs> so you can go check that out in Eastern Pennsylvania. Uh, Erebus, Erebus in Poncha, Michigan. Uh, and if you remember from our mythology episode, Erebus was a primordial god and is the personification of darkness. Ah. Uh, this place held the record for the largest haunted house for attraction from 2005 to 2009. Uh, and it's actually a very interesting and original concept. Once I read about it, it's a mad scientist created a time machine that accidentally wiped out the human race. So the doctor then disguises the time machine as a haunted attraction and sends willing participants through his guinea pigs to try to fix the past. Interesting. But because of that, they are able to revamp it with new scenes from different eras and different historical events uh, constantly. And so they can keep it fresh. Nice. So even the concept helps it out. Uh, and then if you're looking for a more posh adult experience, check out Blackout, a haunted experience in New York, LA, and I think soon Chicago. Uh, this place, you have to sign a major waiver just to get into it. Uh, as it contains, quote unquote, extreme horror images, including adult sexuality, tight spaces, physical contact, and the need to crawl. Ah, yes, that's terrifying. Uh, some of the rules include you must walk through alone. Oh. Nobody under 18. You must follow directions at all time. You must stay on the marked path. Uh, do not ever touch the walls. You might be prompted to do something. Uh, your safety word is safety. <laughs> Um, you must wear a protective mask and carry a flashlight. Whoa. Right. This place is intense. So if you're looking for an intense adult experience, check out Blackout in New York, L.A., or possibly Chicago. Yeah, anyone where they're allowed to touch you after signing a waiver, I'm just, no thanks. <laughs> not for me. So Yeah, I feel like I'm signing up to catch something. That's really what it comes <laughs> yeah. down to. So there's one also in Tennessee called the McCamey Manor Experience. Um, and so this is been on the news a bit recently because it's uh, people didn't believe it was real until people started saying, oh, I've been there before. So basically what you do, you have to do a 40 page waiver and you pay to go in. But then if you get through the whole thing, you get $20,000. And so what happens is they completely cater the experience Whoa. to what you're afraid of. So they, they give you a questionnaire beforehand to say what things scare you and they cater the entire experience to you. I don't know how they have enough money to do this. Um, and the, some of the parts of the 40 page waiver include a uh, partic participant fully understands and agrees that they may come in contact with carbon monoxide poisoning with regard to use of artificial fog. <laughs> Whoa. No. And there's no quitting unless serious physical or, or psychological injury is present. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You say you don't have money to personalize it, but really, I bet you that they have a list of the top 15 most feared things. Yeah, there's and probably. So, and they have established scripts or established things they do for each of those. And then all you do is check the boxes and they pull them out of a closet. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Like clowns, uh, public speaking. I don't know how that could be one of them. Right. Uh, you know, death, being buried alive, uh, you know, creepy crawlies, claustrophobia, you know, heights. There's only so many. Well, 54 on the list here of things you put to sign away. Participant fully understands and agrees that they may be crushed in a pit by various objects. <laughs> Sorry, buried alive. Told you. Uh, fully understands and agrees that various fluids such as food coloring, grease, theatrical blood, or other liquids may be placed in participant's mouth. <laughs> Ooh. Is participant's responsibility not to swallow these fluids? <laughs> anyway. They wouldn't put real blood in someone's mouth. Oh, yeah. You can't do that. That just You can't sign that away. <laughs> it's just corn syrup. But don't you, don't eat it, though. It's bad for you. Well, apparently many people have gone through this house and none of them have gotten through all the way. So no one's gotten the twenty thousand dollars. They've quit before then. So really? Yeah. It's hard for me to con- comprehend, but I haven't done it. So, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever. <laughs> I think I would just start out by telling them all the things I'm not afraid of. Yeah. Just fake it out, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm super afraid of clowns. <laughs> oh, no. Don't show me a clown. I'm really scared of baseball players. <laughs> I'm scared of getting my feet rubbed for at least an hour. <laughs> I'm terrified of massages. <laughs> that would totally, totally go through with that. Yeah, that's right, and the whole so time you'd be like, oh, I'm so scared. Oh, oh no, stop. you guys are really getting me. Please, I might leave any minute now. <laughs> More oil, please. <laughs> Don't put it in my mouth. <laughs> Uh, oh god well i think that takes us to our main segment or review of one of my favorite halloween films ernest scared stupid yes so that music Um, plays during the opening credits with a totally fun little i don't know montage sequence of old movies and ernest looking scared I loved that even the opening credits had whimsy. Yeah, it was very whimsical. And like it gave you something to look at and kept you kind of entertained and little bits. It's the same sort of thing with like the animated segments at the beginning of the City Slickers movies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Like it takes the opening credits and makes them a part of the movie and not just something you have to get through. Right. It's a little more entertaining. And it shows you the um, character of, of Ernest. If you don't know what you're get, getting into, you will now after watching the credits. True, it gives you a light introduction to the silly level. Um, so before we get into it, Jarman, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was silly and fun. And if I was a kid, it was just it was perfectly lighthearted. Um, there were some really bad actors in there, but uh, like the parents <laughs> and stuff. But it don't really matter because it's all about Ernest and the kids. Um yeah, I read a lot, uh, not only Rotten Tomatoes, but then I found some reviews from like Siskel and Ebert and the Washington Post and stuff when this came out. People hated this movie. I know. And it's like it, they say it's the last feature film that went to theaters for Ernest because this one did so poorly. And then Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down um, back when they were a thing. And they should. It was, uh, it's great for kids. It, and not only that, it's not just great for kids. I watched it and I like didn't have any real issues with it. I agree with you. The parents are real bad actors. They did not spend money on the adult. No, actor. they did not. 
they had like Ernest and then his one or two side characters. And then they got Eartha Kit and they were like, that's enough. We're not pushing it any further. Oh, Eartha Kit was wonderful. We're um, just going to hire a bunch of anybody's off the street. Like I, I figured maybe Eartha Kit be phoning it in for this movie, but she wasn't. She was fantastic. She did great. She's one of the best parts of the film. Oh, yeah. Oh, and I um, want to say, before, yeah, I don't understand the ire that this movie received. That makes no sense to me. Um, but before we even get into that, just in case people don't know who Ernest is, because it's kind of a uniquely probably very American thing. Um, I looked up a little history of um, Jim Varney, who plays Ernest. Uh, fascinating story. This guy um, comes from Kentucky and he uh, ever since he was like seven years old, he was doing voices um, while listening to the radio with his parents. And so his parents got him into acting like when he was seven years old. And so he ends up going to Virginia for to be classically trained as an actor and just Shakespearean plays and that kind of thing. Um, and finally has this character that he makes called Ernest. They has tons of commercials across the entire United States, mostly in like southern states. And that because he has that thick accent and everything is a very southern. Yeah, and he had character. A, he actually had a bunch of other characters, um, yes. one of which is in the old lady character. And this is also one of his old ones that he also did all these commercials with these characters for various products. And then the character determined what product he was advertising. Yeah. And, and that was all in the and, 80s, like 80 to 85 kind of. Um, and that kind of got him into the character of Ernest being so popular that he even got like segments made about him on the nightly news. There's a clip on YouTube. You can find Tom Brokaw doing a segment on who is this Ernest character. Let's, let's look into this. And then they do, a, they, they show him performing Shakespeare and stuff with no accent whatsoever, or kind of British accent. He sounds fantastic. Um, and then they just talk about the, how he's sweeping the nation in popularity. Um, and so then he gets, started to get, get these movies. I think Ernest goes to camp was the first one. Uh, maybe I know that this was like the seventh. Was it now? I thought it was like the fourth. Maybe I think this is the fourth because it's the last one that was in theaters, and there were several more after this that went straight. Yeah, there were a few after this. All of most of which I actually saw. (laughs) I saw a few of them when I was a kid. Um, Oh, that's what it is. Somebody took them and put them in chronological order. Oh, interesting. Yeah, there's like Ernest goes to school, and Ernest goes to Africa, and Ernest rides again. That are all real bad. Wow, and kind of a weird connection to my family is my dad used to hang out at the VA. It's like the, not the VA clinic, but like the, the pub basically for veterans, whatever. Um, and one of the guys he his drinking buddies was, uh, Jim Varney's, um, stunt double for all of his movies. <laughs> okay. Yeah. For some reason he lived in Orlando. Um, but anytime they had a movie, they'd fly him out cause he looked a lot like him and they were, they were friends apparently. Um, so I just remember meeting him when I was a kid. I'm like, that's weird. You look just like him. <laughs> it's just very strange. So, it's so it's funny and the re- this movie is something that I remember seeing for the first time when I was very young and it was funny to read that this they, they blame this on failing due to the low ratings from reviewers but also that a lot of kids found it too scary I could see that a little bit um, I was traumatized by this film for years really from the troll yeah Trantor really got to me not only was he creepy and now that even I see him now his animatronic is incredible really good for a movie this budget (laughs) just spectacular um and and really you find all they play these cliches but it's just enough to push a kid over in that you know he like hides under a girl's bed and then appears in her bed and a kid's just riding on his skateboard and he jumps out and grabs the kid and turns him into a wooden doll that's pretty scary Um, (laughs) between those visuals and, and this this movie like truly for years was one of my scariest couldn't get through it movies and my parents well, 100% attest to this. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. And originally, yeah. apparently there was a possible script where this was going to be uh, the the troll would um, dig up dead children 
and use them to Ooh. fuel his his souls. And I was like, that's even worse. That'd be so yeah, terrifying. Wow. Glad some producer went, no. Because <laughs> that they were going to say for that one, Ernest was going to work in the graveyard as like the, the groundskeeper. And um, I guess I could kind of see that. Yeah, but still, it's just too dark. It's real dark. Um, all right, so let's walk through the movie. Yeah. All right, so I thought this had a really gripping intro uh, with the child running through the forest and a first-person perspective from what you're going to assume is the troll based on the sound you're listening to. Right. They don't show you the troll yet. And it's a back in time, I guess, Victorian era kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and now this intro is a little bit notorious because the girl who he's chasing kind of looks like she's laughing and smiling. Yes. It was weird. Uh, and I feel like that was like a director gave her a bad direction or they just he's like, you're running from take. this troll and you want him to chase you, but you know, it's a trick. So maybe look like, you know, and this, and it was too much for this nine-year-old actress to handle. <laughs> and so it just came across like, I'm going to smile and run while I scream. Like, it's really weird. It just, it just feels like some director should have given her the direction of you just run and you look scared. <laughs> That'd be, that would have been good enough because <laughs> she probably still would have been, been scared. Good, that would have been good enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they capture the troll while he's hunting a kid. And this is part of what you find out Briarville's past and its history. The Trantor of the troll was buried, his grave sealed with a tree by an ancestor, Phineas Worrell. Who's the ancestor of Ernest Worrell. And the troll curses Worrell as he's being buried that every one of his descendants will become dumber and dumber, which I thought was really become funny. Dumber and dumber <laughs> and dumber. And Jim Varney uh, and plays so the, his ancestor as well, and he sounds very intelligent and eloquent and everything. He's like his older statesman, basically. Oh, yeah, you really get to see Jim Varney stretch. Oh, yeah. Um, so now you cut to present day. It's a presentation by a young woman in her history class where they talk about the troll. You get to know kind of who the lead kids are going to be. You get to see some bullies who you know are going to come in later. It just sets the tone, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah. In that regard, it did its job. Uh, the one bad thing they did with the kids is that there's a third kid who's kind of appears later on who doesn't get any kind of setup <laughs> with the glasses. Oh, yeah. He's in like the very beginning. He helps him get the treehouse up and then that's it. Yeah. And it's like he just didn't have any setup or anything, any consequence. It was interesting. They needed more kids. Um, they do a nice thing where Ernest is still dumb, where he's working on his dump truck and trying to put up some automatic washer that goes haywire and knocks him in. Great physical comedy. Um, great physical comedy, followed by one of my favorite and one of the darkest parts of the movie, where he takes a the, the gears are turning and he's about to be crushed. And he takes a doll baby, yes, and goes, "Buddy, it's you or me." And then he talks as the doll. No, I've got a family back at the doll factory. <laughs> yeah. He just goes, "Hmm, I'll send him a nice card." And he jams the baby's head into the gears. That's pretty dark. All the head is like being sucked in. He goes. No, Ernest, I know what you did. Like, it's so <laughs> dark. It was pretty dark. Um, it just is pure comedy gold that even last night I laughed out loud at. <laughs> it's just so cute, too. And like, I don't know, even though it's dark, uh, that is a dark joke. Everything's just innocent. Well, Ernest is friend with these kids, which nowadays would be concerning for a whole different set of reasons. <laughs> uh, he gets pulled man. over and sent out to the old Hackmore place. Crazy old lady Hackmore. Uh, who has all this junk kind of littering her front yard, junk slash art. Played by Eartha Kitt. And that's when we get Eartha Kitt, and she is so good in this movie. Oh, she's so great. She's totally eccentric, she, like a kind of like a Doc Brown type, mixed with a witch. Yeah, and she lives out in sort of like the old area of town. Her place looks spooky and it's covered with junk. And 
she identifies the the, the seed of Worrell <laughs> and basically tells him to get out of here and not to come back and sets the stage that he's like some some linchpin for the terrible thing that's about to happen. Yeah, because he's been prophesied to bring back the troll. And that can't happen. Uh, I mean, Meanwhile, we cut back to the kids, and this is sort of the inciting incident. The kids set up a haunted house that they're going to set up for their friends, and the two bullies that were introduced earlier come and knock it down and are just real dicks. And that ties in with our episode because it's a haunted house. There you go. Yeah, and the <laughs> inciting incident is the destruction of these kids' haunted house. So he goes to his buddy, Ernest, and says, hey, so they we got to find a new clubhouse. And Ernest goes through what is the weirdest part of the movie and kind of the hardest to get through, in my opinion, which is him doing all his various characters mm-hmm. um, while talking about the, the high ground. Yeah. And it talks about the Botswanans from Botswana uh, getting the high ground and they could defeat the incoming um, Turks. And it was very like, what? <laughs> but it was, it was still and, and fun. He plays one character who's the Ottomans and he has his old lady character and his lumberjack character and they're all thrown in there, but it's hard. It's hard to think, you just have to accept that you're watching Ernest. Right. That's that, like that magical he, realism. I don't know. <laughs> right. And that to him, this is how he sees everything. But in front of this kid, he's just doing all these voices. You kind of have to accept that. Right. Because in the movie, you actually see him in full costume changes and makeup changes within like, you know, each moment each shot. to moment, moment to moment. Yeah. So it's like a little suspension of disbelief moment. Um, this comes one of my favorite moments in the entire movie. He's in one I still laugh about. Uh, he's playing his lumberjack character and he says, no, there ain't no trees in Botswana. I know I am a Botswanian lumberjack and I ain't never had a job. (laughs) 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 To this day, that line cracks my shit up. There's some really intelligent, funny lines that a kid's not really going to laugh at that, but like the adults going to the movie, be like, that's hilarious. (laughs) So, So Ernest agrees to help the kids find the tree that they need. They go out. There's this, funny montage very earnesty montage of them looking for the right tree and then they find like a a haunted dark evil looking glade and they say that's where we're gonna go in um and that's when they introduce what i think is like a beautiful set piece which is the tree oh and that whole area it's all smoky and mysterious and this cool looking tree they had they had to have built in the ground up yeah it just made a great set set piece to center the rest of the story around right um and so, the, so we see Eartha Kit running over when she realizes they're building a house in this tree and it's the sacred tree that was built on top of the troll. And she's like, you ruined everything. Ah! And she runs uh, away. So Ernest goes after her to try to calm her down so she doesn't kick them off her land. And the kids stay. And then there's like a very Home Alone-esque thing where they're, they defeat the bullies who found their new clubhouse with like throwing pizzas and dog food. It. It's a little over the top. And I was really upset by all the wasted pizza. That's almost, I just, I just felt that is pangs true. of hurt in my heart when that was happening in my stomach. Uh, and also those then, pizzas are the same props for some reason that were used in Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> they, <laughs> I was in the trivia for this movie. Like they had those uh, props for some reason. Also, the montage where they're putting the treehouse together features some of the worst ADR in film history. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Come on, bring it up. We're looking great. We Look got this. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> and um, I will say so then, that the timeline is weird here because basically those bullies knocked over their, their haunted house, chase them into the forest. The kids run, ask uh, Ernest to help them. And he does that whole Botswana monologue. They build a tree house and then the kids are still chasing after them. So 
we're supposed to believe that happened within like 10 minutes. <laughs> and this is all supposedly after school. Yeah. So I don't know what the, what the timeline's <laughs> supposed to be, but that doesn't really matter. Um, it's an earnest move. You just have to accept certain things. Exactly. Um, so Ernest comes back and for a dumb guy, Ernest certainly retains a lot of information that old lady Hackmore told him <laughs> talking about the troll and how somebody from Worrell on the night of Halloween will put his hand on the troll and say these magic words. He does all this and he, unle- and he unleashes the troll. Yep. Well, it's, it's kind of funny cause he does know a lot and, and does and has a lot of practical knowledge and can build and fix things, but he messes things up a lot. But, um, they described the making of that character, Ernest, him and this marketing guy who originally created the character, saying they wanted a guy who just thinks he knows the answer to everything. So initially, okay. he was kind of like an arrogant kind of ignoramus. So like he thinks he knows everything because he's got a lot of knowledge, but he doesn't apply it very well. So that's kind of like how he became <laughs> that character. And it makes sense. Um, and then next, I think, came some good, clean movie making. Mm-hmm. So the kids break up for the night. They all say goodbye. The kid with the glasses who Jeremy mentioned earlier. <laughs> walks off and he kind of slides into like a mud pit. They don't really expand on what it is. Yeah. The kid like falls in kind of to a mud pit and he's like, help someone help me. Someone takes his hand. He thinks it's earnest. He looks up just in time and you get your first real look at Trantor, the troll (laughs) who has two noses, which (laughs) is just such a striking visual. And the thing that always got me about Trantor is that they retained the human actors eyes. Yes. Somehow that was the creepiest part about Trantor and the thing that made him the most lifelike to me for the longest time. Yeah. Like his body moves really well. His the animatronics in his mouth and nose are ridiculously good. They, they form the words really well. Um, yeah. And he, it was Trantor is so scary and with that for, giant like, face. Not and even head. kidding. Like, how do they do that? Um, but here, so he takes the kid, he turns him into a little wooden doll. So you get to see this happen. And then he takes it back to the tree where there's a opening that reveals five slots. Right. And he places the kid into a slot. And then these uh, Brussels sprouts is what Ernest describes that start growing out of the tree. He's making his children, his army. And he's like, yes, rise my army. And with like one progression of scenes, they told us everything about what's going to happen without someone having to like explain it to us. Right. And not only that, then with the tree, we have a good marker for the progression of the story without them having to be stupid about it. Or just like in your face about it. Yeah. He's getting up to five. Oh, no, we're that much closer. Show us. Don't tell us. Right. They did a good job of showing. Now, mind you, later, they did tell us a little bit when Ernest is literally like sitting and reading a book about the troll. Uh, That's not the point. Yeah. (laughs) It was still fun. It was a fun moment. Uh, He goes back to Eartha Kitt. He, He announces that he let go of the troll. Uh, and then this became one of my uh, favorite where she's like, you are the, you are the baby. You are the boy. You are the seventh son of the seventh son. You are the great redneck hope. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, I am the great redneck hope. <laughs> um, there's a great scene where they kind of introduce two characters from his old uh, Tom and Bobby. Oh, that they were some of his old movies. Characters. Yeah. Um, though played by a different actor. One of them. Uh, who run like a local store and are just looking to take advantage of Ernest and they're selling him pretty good actors. They were decent and it's a great little bit and it was short, so it was fine. Um, But they're sending him, selling him troll away spray and troll bait and troll traps and and the greatest album of troll love songs ever recorded. (laughs) Um, So meanwhile, Trantor is collecting more kids. Um, 
they they sort of hint at that he is afraid of milk. It comes into play a few times. Yeah, it keeps like dropping in his feet and he'll run away and but they don't really notice it yet. Yeah. And it was fun. I like that as an audience that we kind of knew it before the characters did and not in a bad way. Yeah. And I also thought it was cool because the majority of Ernest's old commercials were for dairy products. <laughs> so I didn't know if that was a connection okay. or not. It's interesting, though. Um, so he captures four kids. Ernest sets up a troll trap on Halloween night. Uh, and it's like the dumbest setup ever. <laughs> it's like a he has uh, like a baby doll hanging on a stick in a dumpster. The dumpster says trolls oh. this way. Uh, and there was a moment where I wrote down and these kids are like, great, it'll definitely work, Ernest. And I went, these dumb kids trust this idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're stupid kids. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so then it comes a couple of so the kids separate up. Ernest separates up and you get kind of these three separate little storylines that then converge later. Little girl goes home and she refuses to go trick or treating. Her mom says she wants her to get in costume and she asks her mom to check under the bed. And her mom and says, her mom two years old and, and like yells at her. Terrible. Uh, whereas if the mom had checked under the bed, she would have seen a troll under there. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so the kid, the girl goes and she finds her stuffed teddy bear and goes, oh, it's just you. And she rolls over and Trantor is in her bed, which is pretty terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Um, so then he goes after Joey, the, the main protagonist kid who uh, makes a run from him and and Trantor almost has him. And then a milk truck scares Trantor off. It was Kenny. Kenny. Yeah. Joey's the, the kid with glasses. Oh, I forgot his name. Joey's kid with glasses. Who's now <laughs> wooden doll. Joe. Uh, Kenny escapes. Right. Um, and then oh, he tries Ernest to go to his dad. He's trying to tell his dad, the, the sheriff about the troll and his dad refuses to believe him and just calls him a crazy kid and doesn't believe Ernest either. Thinks Ernest has had a nightmare or something. So, and in all this time, Trantor has collected four kids. Um, and is real close to unleashing his army. Then Ernest goes back out to check on the tree and sees that the little Brussels sprouts have turned into these great big pod things. Right. And he goes to warn people. And then this was, I thought a really good scene um, where Trantor is on top of his truck and stabbing down with his knife. And Ernest climbs out the window and Trantor climbs in after him and rips the door off. And it's just this great, almost vaudeville act and action sequence. Like it must've been difficult action- to film. That you get to watch all the while the dog's driving the car, which I thought was real good. I know. It's a very well-trained dog. Uh, and they get to have like a mini fight scene in the back of a, a truck littered with comedy. And then they end up running over Trantor. It's just a great scene. And then Trantor disappears. Doesn't know where he is. Um, so then Kenny goes to warn his dad. The troll's there. Ernest also goes to warn everybody. Everybody's at a big like. Halloween party, community Halloween party at the local elementary school. Ernest runs in yelling like a madman. <laughs> He's basically brushed off. Meanwhile, Trantor is there. He claims his last victim. Mm-hmm. The, the bully kid, the, the bully kid. So he kind of gets his comeuppance, which is nice. Um, he claims the bully kid and uh, faces off against Ernest. And this once again is another one of these scenes that is so funny to me that I remember it and I still laugh. Um, so he, he finally faced off against trees. So he's like, yeah, that's right. Come over here and get some meak because he knows that milk in the book earlier. And I forgot to mention this. It's M I. And then the L is rubbed out and K 
It was telling the people of the book what the trolls are, how you can just defeat the tro- them. Yeah, you can defeat the trolls with milk. But he's like, "Am I something K? Meak, West Bulgarian Meak." <laughs> so he goes off on this tangent that West Bulgarian Meak is what is going. And somehow he finds some late, late at night. <laughs> so yeah, and he goes through this little tirade of, uh, "That's right, I bet you thought I couldn't find it this year, this time of year." But that's right, I'm a little too spry, a little too light on my feet now eat me act and die <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, trantor almost defeats him Ernest is saved by ice cream right falls on his head and that scares away the troll and then also rimshot his beloved dog character comes in and bites trantor's leg and buys Ernest a little bit of time trantor turns rimshot into a wooden doll uh, wooden doll and Ernest, this is this like hits Ernest in a way that nothing else in the story has hit Ernest so far. It's his best friend. And Ernest in all of his movies has this moment where this sort of Ernest persona comes down and the real caring internal individual comes out. Yeah. That's sort of the hallmark for his films. And this was it in this one. Um, and he gets this this the fire in his eyes. And then once again, another piece of this movie that I will never ever forget. He gives this little speech of my great great granddaddy put him in that hole and so can i someone with a runny nose is gonna die it's <laughs> <laughs> a troll throughout the movie has more and more snot coming just, out of its just face so much snot coming out of face. Yeah, <laughs> so someone great. with a runny nose is gonna die that i just that lives inside of me he <laughs> often calls him booger lips too which is really fun <laughs> How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? Oh, that's funny. Funny little factoid. Uh, the meme troll face, which was very popular on Reddit until they basically banned memes from the front page. Um, it was sort of like an elongated jaw smile kind of animated character. Supposedly comes from this. Well, I, I uh, read up on the history. Says, How about a bumper sandwich, booger lips? He makes a, a face that I do admit is quite similar. It is quite similar. And according to the history of the meme, it, that isn't the case, but who, who knows if it didn't inspire the artist? We don't know. It could have. Um, so Ernest and all the adults head back out to the Hackmore place because the kid, because a kid's been taken. The adults finally know. So the adults are going to go out and they, you know, take their, their knives and, and torches and go out there and cause some ruckus pitchforks. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ernest drives out in his, in his truck, the pods, he gets there. Uh, he, he gets to the tree. He tries to run over Trantor, fails, and then the pods start dropping. They have matured and they are ready. And even this little the, the pod dropping bit where he's trying to catch them all. Yeah. He goes, I'm going to keep them all off the ground. Oh, not that one. <laughs> it just keeps dropping them. Uh, was also just such a good physical vaudeville kind of comedy thing. It, it was, was so good. very like silent movie and, type era of comedy. And then he grabs a trash can lid and tries to keep one in the ground by sitting on it. Like it's just very vaudeville. <laughs> Um, and they start popping so out of then, the ground and they're, they look, all look different. Every single one has a different face. And they're I love that there were so many unique different trolls. Yeah. I loved it. And the parents are uh, arriving the, at the same time. So there's a, basically a battle royale going on between the parents and the trolls. Um, and at one point shortly after the battle starts, I laughed out loud. Uh, Ernest looks around at all the mayhem and goes, oh, no, they're going to blame this all on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, smash cat away, Kenny and the bully's brother, who was also earlier and three other random children figure out that milk is what can defeat the trolls. Kenny, the child figured this out. So they go, they ransack a store 
to get milk products and squirt guns. Uh, and they go out and they're now armed to go fight this troll army and they ride their bikes out and they show up about halfway through this mayhem scene. Right. And I, I, I don't go back a little bit because one of my favorite moments, of this film. Oh, is, please, please. Um, when Ernest is really down and he doesn't think he can do it anymore. He's, he's lost all his willpower and he gets inspired again. He remembers <laughs> my, I remember my fourth grade teacher always told me I never knew when to quit. And then it flashes back to him as a child wearing the same outfit, riding on the board. I never know when to quit. And she goes, he never knew when to quit. And then he starts scratching the board and she smacks him in the head. <laughs> and they play his head into the wall. Yeah. And they do that twice in the movie. They play never the same knew clip. when to quit. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that moment so much. Um, so there's this big battle where kids are taking out trolls with milk. Uh, one of the worst acting moments in the entire movie happens where the police chief, Kenny's father, has been handcuffed by the trolls and they're shooting at him. Uh, and Kenny walks up and goes, it's the milk dad. It gets him. And he gives his dad the key and his dad goes, go get him, Kenny. And like, gives like the <laughs> biggest smile and thumbs up. So stupid. <laughs> Mind you, I want to point out all these trolls have real weapons. Yeah. And no one gets and, hurt. Apparently <laughs> And transport early in the movie was shown, like trying to stab Ernest, like intended true bodily harm but somehow nobody is dying in this scenario it's because it's a kid's movie <laughs> that's right uh so now there's this big sort of montage of them fighting the trolls and them using the treehouse to fight the trolls and the great part i love was uh a troll takes the sheriff's gun eats the bullets and then his friend hits him in the back so he can shoot at the, the police officer. Yeah, every time he hits him in the back of the head, he shoots a bullet. <laughs> it was pretty a lot of like Looney Tunes kind of stuff. Yeah, kind of like Gremlins reminded me of that a little bit too. Um, I also liked that it was very Muppety or Sesame Street in that apparently there were only, besides Trantor, there were only 16 trolls. Mm-hmm. But they dressed them up and put hoods on them and gave them different things to make it seem like way more than that. Oh, okay. The 16 stole a lot. That is, yeah, it's a lot. And it was during this that I kind of went, man, the music for this movie is really good. It sure is. It was scored well. The the music always underlined the emotion that they wanted you to be feeling. Uh, The theme that that still haunts my dreams. (laughs) We played at the beginning of the segment. It was nice. And I think the, the, the creepiness of the movie is, is part of what made it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Trantor seeing that he's about to be defeated goes down into the base of the tree and asks the demons in darkness to grant him power and he becomes like super Trantor yes and it grows like horns and protrusions and more teeth and stuff and he's the, the extension as a kid the extension of his claws freaked me out the, the worst oh yeah they like spring from his hands almost violently and a kid tries to shoot him with his little squirt gun of milk. And he's like, I'm too powerful for that now. <laughs> um, he turns Kenny, the main kid, into a wooden doll and then crushes him. Ernest, uh, all the other d- adults cut off by supernatural fire, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, Ernest has to face off against him. Um, and you get to see Ernest kind of be like brave. And Ernest is ready to go at it. So yeah, it was kind of nice. It was like one of the only sincere moments. Yeah. Come at me. You do pretty well with little kids. Let's see how you do with a man. Like, you know, yeah, that was great. And it was, it was genuine and nice. Almost. Uh, he goes after, but in, in the rhyme that dictates the story of this troll, uh, there's one who can stop them. If they would dare with the heart of a child and a mother's care, mother's kill is milk and heart of a child is like 
un, like, unconditional, it, love? Love? unconditional, unconditional love. love. So Ernest realizes this in these final moments and realizes he has to show this troll unconditional love to kill him. <laughs> so this leads to a weird end um, where he runs up to Trantor, is about to attract him, and he picks Trantor up and dances with him. I actually teared up a little bit at this. I thought it was really and sweet. And then at the end said, oh, you're so cute, and gives him a big kiss. He gets a snot all uh, over his face. Um, Trantor begins to do this crazy wobble in air and shake. And then as Ernest backs away, Trantor explodes. Yep. Killed by love. Uh, And in the end, all the kids go back from being uh, to being regular kids. All the dolls, the wooden dolls go back to being children. Some wooden dolls from um, Eartha Kitt's generation. She put uh, in the tree. She puts in the tree and they get to come out. And then in the last moment, rim shot. Yes, Rimshot. Comes back, and you get to see Ernest, like, melt and go, oh, we're going to go. We're going to get something to eat. We're going to just, like, <laughs> yeah. fall, literally fall out of a frame with his dog as Eartha Kit, like, looks down knowingly. <laughs> so cute. Um, I love this movie. If you have not seen this movie or for some reason you think it's dumb or you haven't seen it since you were a kid, check it out again. I think it is a truly great Halloween film and one for most of the family as long as your kids aren't too scared. Yeah, maybe, have like eight or nine year olds so they're not like terrified but not too old so they think it's boring um and then as an adult you'll like it again <laughs> when you're not trying to be cool anymore um, yeah but i'm pretty sure i saw it in theaters so like in 91 when i was five. Oh wow that would have been a little scary yeah oh five. yeah so maybe a little for life <laughs> um check it out great movie Ernest at his finest i don't care what any of the reviewers say absolutely highly recommend all right. So, uh, bef- as we move on to the show, uh, I wanted to bring back one of uh, my old bits that I've done on other holidays, and that's the reason for the season. Halloween edition. And I'm, I'm bringing you a second Halloween edition because I think I did this two years ago. Right. Uh, so, I started looking at haunted houses for this initial thing we were going to do and found that two Halloween traditions uh, are, are, steamed, are steeped right in the, uh, the Great Depression. And those are trick-or-treating and haunted houses. Hmm. So while mumming or playing in order to get f- treats or rewards is not something new, and it's something that's been found as far back as the 16th, 1600s, um, where oh, people wow. would put on little like religious plays in front of parishes to get cakes and stuff. Um, it's not new, but it didn't really come into the American zeitgeist until the 1930s, the mid to late 1930s. Um, and the reason is, is that during the depression, things were slim and parents didn't have the money to give their kids a big Halloween. So entire blocks or communities would band together to put together these elaborate progression parties for the kids. Oh, that's nice. Where, so the first house may provide the kids face paint so that they could paint their faces and become a spooky ghost or something. And the second house then maybe did the bobbing for apples. And then they moved on to the third house where maybe they got their candy. And then the fourth house where a parent had set up a spook house in the basement. And by doing this, the entire community was able to give all these kids, um, like the time of their life for Halloween, the full Halloween experience while keeping things relatively simple for the parents. Um, and then after the depression, this carried on as a form of sort of a social and community gathering on the holiday uh, in some ways to commemorate this, the progression parties that happened where kids were just going to the next house to get the next thing. 
that's kind of similar to a thing they have now. Um, I don't know how long it's been around, but for those who don't have like a safe neighborhood to go door to door or something like that, they have parking lot parties. I forgot what they call trunk them. or treat trunk or treat. Yeah. And you basically go out and have everyone opens their trunk and has their candy back there and you just go from car to car as opposed to going house to house. And it's kind of like a community experience as well. It's kind of nice. Yeah. And when I try to give kids candy out of my trunk, they call the cops. I mean, am what I the right? Hell? I mean, I know it's January, but whatever. <laughs> am I right? <laughs> I'm just uh, Ernest. <laughs> Ernest does that. Uh, haunted houses uh, also from the Depression era. So back when trick or treating started, uh, the trick part of trick or treat was very real. At the time, it really was a threat of mischief. Hmm. Um, and during the depression, you had a bunch of frustrated, unemployed youths who had a night where they were allowed to do bad things. And it really went crazy for a while. Mm. Uh, millions of dollars in, in reported property damage, uh, cities that claimed that every single one of their, their city lights had been knocked out overnight. A few instances where people died, a uh, instant with a, where a guy lost an eye, um, Jeez. And communities were in shambles from trick-or-treaters. It's like that, those <laughs> these, movies. The, from these crazy teens. What's it called? The one day a year you do anything you want movies? Oh, yeah, like The Purge. The Purge. Of. Yeah, sounds like The um, Purge. And so these community groups came together and said, we have to give these young people something to do on Halloween or they're going to do this crazy stuff. Right. So big communities uh, like the Junior J, it was called the JC for short. I can't remember what it stood for. Um, started putting on these elaborate community haunted houses, haunted attractions and event nights essentially to get the youth of the community there. So they aren't, weren't out just doing destructive insanity. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and so this is really what haunted houses were for a very long time. Uh, haunted houses uh, have been found as early as 1937. There were pamphlets distributed. Uh, that had ideas of how to set up a haunted house. Uh, ideas included hanging old fur and strips of raw meat from your walls as as people passing through walk through in the darkness. Gross. Also hanging wet sponges and hair nets as people walk through with their hands in front of them. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's pretty gross. <laughs> Um, some of the guides though also suggest the idea of different themes so ghoul the ghoul's gal and the mad house and the tunnel of terror so even themed halloween experiences were were an idea back in as early as the 1930s on. um but haunted houses didn't hit celebrity status in the u.s until uh, a gentleman by the name of walt disney built one uh and his took the haunted house experience beyond just a dark ride or a carnival attraction and uh, the use of tech and imagery and sound showed people what haunted houses could be. And the American people got this hunger for bigger, more elaborate haunted attractions. Starting with Walt Disney, starting with Walt Disney, once he sort of revolutionized what it could be. So then you have bigger things like at the time, Knott's Berry farms, which is big out here, started hosting Halloween night attractions and then later evolved into entire season long Halloween events, sort of the predecessor to things like Halloween horror nights. Uh, and then even Christians got into it. Uh, hmm. Jerry Falwell and the Liberty university hosted one of the very first and biggest hell houses in 1972. Jerry Falwell. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's surprising. Then there was this huge boom in the eighties where uh, in the late seventies, early eighties, where characters like Jason and Freddy Krueger and pinhead and Chucky all became very marketable Halloween attractions. So because of that, with the movie boom and teen obsession boom with those films, 
the the horror house boom just went crazy just absolutely nuts people were opening up mom and pops communities were opening up for seasons everybody had a, a haunted house it's late 70s early 80s kind of thing until 1984 uh, we're at a smaller, more mom and pop kind of run haunted place in New Jersey. Eight teens died during a fire Ooh. Uh, and there was a crazy public backlash and all of these regulations went into place. And a lot of these sort of smaller mom and pop kind of places or community places uh, had to close because they didn't have the money or the resources to, to upkeep with these codes. Hmm. But the people that were left over went on to dominate the industry. And currently there are more than 2,700 uh, haunted houses, house attractions in the United States. And these all have to pass some kind of standard nowadays? Yes. Gotcha. They're, they have standards for exits and fire exits and emergency sprinkler. Like they have standards for all of that now. So no more teens are going to die. <laughs> that just didn't exist. Uh, but the biggest of which can pull in as much as $3 million in a single Halloween season. Jeez. We're in the wrong line of work. That's right. Uh, and now my final. So those are the one, the ones that come out of the, the Great Depression. And my final uh, Halloween tradition. Uh, it's a great American tradition, and that's uh, being afraid of poison candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this all started during the Industrial Revolution, uh, as manufacturing moved away from local producers and people you know making something, and became more large factories producing mass candy. Uh, doctors and a lot of older individuals often claim that children who basically ate candy and then fell ill for any reason were poisoned. Right. These reports came so numerous that multiple government agencies in the early twenties conducted investigations. And while they found some less than great stuff, uh, you know, trace amount of coppers from the kettles that they were boiling the sugar in, or they were using dyes derived from coal. Um, (laughs) Nothing was specifically poisonated poison or contaminated enough to kill a kid. That they found. Um, and while you're worrying about point. while you're worrying about candy in the bag, uh, your eyes should really be on the road. Between kids trick or treating and the copious amount of drinking uh, that occurs, you are far more likely to be hit and killed by a vehicle on Halloween than you are to ever experience poisonous candy in your entire life. Oh, and I'll tell you something that's become an epidemic now. Um, I don't know if it's always been this way, but it's worse now than ever i think there's a nice neighborhood near us called near me called um baldwin park and it's the wealthy neighborhood it's in winter park florida and i'm baldwin park and it's you know real huge community now but all these like cookie cutter houses but they're real expensive so people like drive in their kids from really far away now to to go trick-or-treating in that neighborhood so none of them actually live there and there's just hundreds of kids on the streets um and wow. i had to drive through there once to get to my parents house and i it was I'd look every direction at all times. So I wouldn't kill anyone because there's running across the streets. It's a madhouse. And so, yeah, absolutely. Kids would get hit by cars all the time. Uh, but yeah, the, the committee for highway safety uh, patrol or something like that did a study in between 2011, and 2013, all uh, of all the vehicle related deaths on Halloween, 43% were DUI related. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Terrible. So you shouldn't be looking at your candy bag. You should have your eyes on the damn road and don't drink and drive. Uh, that being said, there have been a few very specific examples over the years that have happened that have fanned the flames of really what ends up being a media frenzy. The more I read about this, the more it was the media going with their first report and having knee jerk reaction. And then later on, it didn't matter that the thing had been disproved or that they printed a retraction. It's too the late. public already had this in, in its hysteria. Mm hmm. 
1959, a California dentist uh, handed out laxative candies to kids. Oh, God. Uh, in 1964, a Long Island woman handed out dog treats, steel wool, and ant poison <laughs> to kids that she thought were, were too old to be trick-or-treating. Jesus. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, and then one of the most uh, notable cases, the most tragic, was in 1974, where a Texas man took out a life insurance policy on two of his kids. Oh no. And then uh, laced a bunch of pixie sticks with cyanide and then distributed them not only to his kids, but to three other random children in hopes of making it look like someone had given them poison candy. Gosh. Uh, And his eight year old died. His eight year old was the only one that had it. Thankfully. But uh, yeah, that's pretty terrible. Hope he got went to jail. Oh, yes. Uh, he was put to death in 1984, I ah, believe. Gotcha. Um, so while there may be a few cases, most of them are family related or people just being insane. And the cases of actual poisoned or tampered with candy on Halloween are so low, you probably have a better chance of being killed by a shark. And my parents always told me when I was growing up just to make sure the wrapper doesn't look tampered with. And don't eat candy that's like not in a wrapper um, and you should be fine. <laughs> so that generally just follow those rules. Just look at the wrapper. Right, once give you a you piece of mouth. gum out of their mouth. Don't take it. <laughs> exactly. Or an apple. Just just don't don't bother. Uh, so, yeah, that's our reason for the season. Trick or treating haunted houses and uh, poisonous candy. That's lovely. A lot of good history there. <laughs> so that brings us some trailer reviews. So first off, we have Bloodshot, starring Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah. uh, family. This new movie. Family. Uh, yeah. So Nanobots. apparently this is based off a popular comic that I never heard of. but um, From Action Comics. Oh. The only reason I'm aware of it is because uh, Jason David Frank, who used to play the Green Ranger, yeah. uh, was in a like YouTube series version of it. Weird. And then there was Outrage when he wasn't cast in this one. Outrage. From his 17 fans. <laughs> I'm just lying. He actually has quite an impressive following. For some reason. <laughs> All right. He's been well, added a lot. Yeah. Let's play that Bloodshot trailer. And initiate sequence. Gina, I'm home. Memories are made of this. What is this place? I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but you got yourself killed. At RST, we'd rebuild the most important assets in the U.S. military. Soldiers like yourself. You're the first who we've successfully managed to bring back. But improved, enhanced. With the technology in your veins, you have an army inside you. That will not only make you stronger, it will heal you instantly. Holy shit. Now tell me, do you remember anything? Where are you going? I've got unfinished business. I'm gonna find the man who made the contract. Oh, that's not good. All right, shut him down. And initiate sequence. Okay, who is the next target for elimination? Tell me, do you remember anything? Do I know you guys? I don't think so. (laughs) They've been manipulating you. 
what you think is real sometimes ain't. And initiate sequence. You can't control me for that. You sure about that? Revenge is what makes a man like you exceptional. You know nothing about men like me. That is absolutely fantastic. I feel like I just heard this. Are they playing this on repeat? Uh, you, you should come or see my movie uh, family <laughs> anyway um, so it seems to be about a guy who was a soldier gets it seems like robocop kind of kind of at <laughs> first glance like RoboCop, uh, where they inject him with little nano robots that fix his body and make him close to immune to harm uh, but then also they use mind control or memory replacement in some way to make him kill the people that they want him to kill by making him think that um, the person they want him to kill is the person who killed his wife, which also could be a false memory. The whole thing could be a false memory. Right. And so it becomes the doubt of who he is and what's real. And then him taking revenge on his handlers. I think there's a lot of the story that we can predict. I think that one sort of wild card is the memory aspect. Right. Makes it kind of a mystery as to what's actually real and not um, kind of a story we've seen before. Like you said, minus the memory thing. But it looks like good action, good popcorn flick. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to waste any time on this one. I mean, I kind of like Vin Diesel as a person because he's he plays D&D and video games and stuff. He's kind of a nice guy. And I'm glad to see him do something outside of the Fast and Furious because I have no interest in the Fast and Furious. Uh, I really liked him in the um, the Chronicles of Riddick and Pitch Black. Those are really good. I did like I did like him in those roles. Yes. So and Chronicle Rid- Riddick is a, an underrated film. It is. And so I, I'm happy to see him do something else. Not that it'll be good. Uh, so, <laughs> so what do you what do you give this? Um, I get this uh, two very hungry raw Julia's. They want some popcorn. <laughs> Are they going to split a popcorn? Or they each get their own popcorn. Oh, they each have their own. They're too important. But it's right, very small, they, a small portion of gourmet. I popcorn. just have a grandiose portion of popcorn. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give this one Gary Busey watching <laughs> The Last Witch Hunter and going, man, this isn't that bad. <laughs> I never saw that movie. It's it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's My favorite movie. I, I don't know. I like the beat. <laughs> I like witches. Wow. I'm, I'm so a yeah, witch. That, that Gary Busey. That okay, one. gotcha. Uh, our next trailer is the newest and final full trailer for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. It's an instinct. A feeling. The Force brought us together. We're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. People keep telling me they know me. No one does. But I do. Long have I waited. And now, you're coming together. Your undoing. What uh, what are you doing there, 3PO? 
Taking one last look, sir. At my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. The Force will be with you. Always. <laughs> so excited. Um, so my first feeling about this trailer is that someone at this, at the, after the last trailer was so dark, true. And so brooding and so we'll say actiony looking. I don't know how to say it any other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and edgy might be the right word that I feel like they, like they went, Oh crap. The public got the wrong impression. All right. We got to make this next one real whimsical. As I feel like th- this trailer is on the opposite end of the spectrum of the last trailer they released. I also feel like they do that a lot of movies they'll do that to cover their ground. So they'll appeal to both types of audiences, those who want a dark broody movie and those who want a more light, uh, whimsical and inspiring movie. And that way you get everybody to come see it. Maybe last time the last trailer didn't grab me. This one does. It feels inspiring, epic, um, fun, interesting. Yeah, they show they show you that there will be epic battles without having to give anything away. Like that shot where they basically some huger nerd than either of us uh, <laughs> did a like screen a, a shot by shot play of where it's the Millennium Falcon and all the ships behind it, and and named like thirty different ships from different books and video games. Whoa. Dash Rendar's ships there what? from Shadows of the Empire. That's awesome. Like they went through and found, and they're like everybody is there. Wow. This is this is clearly this is the entire resistance. This is everyone. I mean, they did say they want to, to end this story like it's going to be the end of it. So the saga will be complete and other Star Wars stories will be told from different generations and timelines. But this is the end. So it's got to be big or go home. Yeah. Um, some I don't know. A lot of cool imagery. Um, a lot of like heartstring pulls. You know, they're they're messing with 3PO which is a little, which I mind you, I did predict that one of the droids was going to die like years ago in one of our previous episodes. And I wonder why <laughs> he has to die. Like there must be some reason like transferring his consciousness or something, or I don't know. Yeah. So the, the, the theories that have been surrounding this, some of it comes from books and that they think they might be taking some plot lines or plot beats from, but apparently, so like after the last, last movie, the new orders main fleet is like shattered, literally shattered to pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea is that the emperor hid a fleet uh-huh. out on this icy planet. And so, you know, we get to see star Destroyers literally coming and breaking up out of the ice. Right. So this is the emperor's hidden fleet, like his last resort. And so it's the new order trying to get to it and use it to finish off. Makes sense. Um, and so the idea is that's been thrown around is that three P- C3PO has to load himself or load his consciousness fully into some sort of, computer in order to operate this thing and stop it or stop the new order or whatever. Interesting. And they couldn't just copy his consciousness or something. Come on guys. Um, I don't know. Apparently there's also a case in one of the video games where a droid loads their consciousness into a ship. And so there's been some speculation that he'll become like, he'll become the millennium Falcon. Oh, kind of like the, uh, that happened in the Hans, not Hans Solo movie. The, um, was it Han Solo movie? Yeah, I think you're right. Maybe. Yeah, where a droid became the the consciousness of the Millennium Falcon. That already happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe he's going to fight that guy. I don't know. I don't. Know. Um. <laughs> but yeah. So there's been some predictions about that. Um. But no, I'm I'm excited. 
I already have my prediction for how it ends. What's your prediction? We got to say it now live on the air. Okay, but here's my prediction for how it ends. Uh, there is a final face-off between uh, Ray and Kylo Ren. And it, I think for a story point of view, uh, they both have to die. Hmm. For, to be, for balance to be restored in the Force, I think the joke is basically that the Jedi and the Sith are really what drove the Force out of balance. And so their last two remnants die, leaving the Force to refind itself and to re-evolve I with think- no taint of the Sith or direction of the Jedi. My prediction is that Daisy Ridley's father is actually the emperor somehow. Okay. <laughs> That's a bold one, but putting it out there, but I don't think they have to die. I think them coming together um, and actually really falling in love, um, a, a true Sith and a Jedi, it kind of brings balance to the force. And I think we, a lot of people are, are suggesting this in like forums and stuff like that, that it's going to create a neutral force. So there doesn't have to be, Jedi or Sith or darkness and light can be one neutral thing um, that kind of goes throughout the universe. And that's the true balance that's been seek that has been sought for all this time. And so them coming together and falling in love and, and being together. There's nothing. There's zero that leads me to believe that there is going to be a story where they fall in love in this movie. Well, if you saw a little clip in the trailer, they're fighting together in one clip. They are not fighting together. They both swing their lightsabers and destroy a pedestal holding uh, Darth Vader's helmet. But they're both, they're not fighting each other in that scene. They're like hitting other things. Yeah, they're both, they both swing and hit a pedestal, but they could both be swinging together to off balance. You know, Maybe. They're, they're not shown fighting together. I thought they were hitting stormtroopers. Also, during that scene, Ray is holding a, uh, holding a metal dagger in her hand, huh. which is yet identified and thought to maybe be a Jedi relic of some sort. Interesting. Thinking that the room that they're fighting in is a place where Kylo has collected Jedi relics or things, which is why Vader's helmet there helmet is there on a pedestal, which is what I think we see them destroy. I'll have to watch it again. Rewatch it. I will. See I will. It. Uh, you'll see Vader's helmet. You can make out the shape. But they're totally on track to be falling in love. I think they've been setting no, the groundwork I, for that. Paul, no, false. Uh, well, the whole love scene basically with him like projecting himself to her on that island and they're like getting to know each other and yeah, but she's like he, he's like tried to kill everyone she loves like six times it's not gonna happen you gotta <laughs> give up the ghost dude. it is not raylo raylo <laughs> no it isn't gonna happen i'm sorry it just can't um but we'll i see. think i think exactly what you're saying is exactly my theory just the flip side of the coin which is the force itself is balanced and it is these acting parties throwing it out of balance yeah creating these factions in the first place is creating imbalance right i think that's the right. idea but you're that. saying that them falling in love and creating some sort of neutral is a solution i'm saying both of them dying is the solution but the same solution that's true i think we're coming to the same conclusion just from different ways right <laughs> how they're gonna get there um well, i hope we're right i hope we're right i i yeah i hope or you know what i hope for i hope it's a mind-blowing ending that i couldn't have possibly predicted i mean that's that'd be I a great <laughs> option yeah um so this one this one takes uh i'm gonna give this one uh, a raul julia uh, on christmas morning in like the 70s opening up and getting the placard that says he's going to get the star wars figurines when they finally come out <laughs> but he's real excited anyway he doesn't give a crap there's no toys there <laughs> That's he's happy. so excited for that card with the promise of those toys i'm picturing a raul julia's adult head on a child's body 
Oh yeah, and he's wearing like choo choo train jammies, but with the mustache from Adam's family <laughs> and the hat from Street Fighter. <laughs> yes, that Ralph will be uh, in choo choo jammies, and he's just jumping up and down with that card that says, "You'll get three of these figurines in six to eight weeks <laughs> through mail." Oh, mommy, daddy, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mine, I'm giving it um, two hundred Raul Julias that pre-purchased their tickets and they're all, uh, they bought out the whole theater for opening night. Are they all all already camped out? Yeah, they're already camped out and they're all standing at attention in the the uniform from Street Fighter. Minus the hat who is on which is on my Raul Julia. Right. <laughs> and they also have the mustache just from Gomez Adams. And there and there's one <laughs> this, is, this is so ridiculous. I, I love know. it. Uh, and then there's one of that. What's that green electric guy's name? Oh, Blanca. <laughs> Blanca. There's one Blanca in the back who's in the wrong line. And he's actually uh, his. He's actually Gary Busey playing Blanca. <laughs> <laughs> I heard there was a hot audition. <laughs> Look, I'm electric. I'm electricity. <laughs> Are you all here for the role of the janitor too? <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you put on green makeup for the role of the janitor? <laughs> I get confused sometimes. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get the role. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that Gary Busey's at the end of the line. Yep. 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 He's also there. He's going to ruin right, the whole that, movie. So that, that takes us into some radical recommends. Does it really? I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. All right, what you got for us this week, Steve? So this week in my dive of YouTube, uh, I found this, uh, once again, an, an individual doing something mundane with passion, and it makes you passionate about it too, and that is the Hoof GP. Uh-huh. The Hoof, H-O-O-F, like a cow's hoof, GP. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It, he is a like large veterinary hoof care guy. And he's got a great accent that is sometimes hard to get through. Uh, but he's from, I don't know, Ireland, Scotland. Uh, it's <laughs> thick. It's pretty important. It's, it's, thick, it's thick sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and he just, he, he has this rig and he goes to cattle ranches and he helps care for cow's feet. Oh. And shows different problems that their feet can have and how if a horn grows in too far one way, it'll cause the foot to split this way. And then the cow can't walk straight. And so he'll go in and correct that. Or sometimes there's disease or, you know, a cow got something in its foot. So he cleans it out and talks about how to keep it, how he's going to put on, on a shim to keep it off the ground for long enough for it to heal and how he's going to trim the back part of the hoof so that when it grows in, it grows in and encapsulates. Um, and, and now mind you, there's some gross stuff. I was wondering about so if that. You're not gross stuff. Maybe don't check out a lot. Some of his videos are, are clean, but there are some, there are some gross ones. Um, but it's just cool to see this guy whose whole life is these animals that are basically in servitude to humans to eventually die, uh, and like taking care of them. Oh, it's like getting a pedicure and more for the, Oh, and more. This guy is like, truly like he knows how to cure what ails him and see if you ever thought, uh, you know, God creating all the creatures, a hoof is not a very practical thing. It, It gets screwed up quite a bit. Yes, from what I can tell in this video, yes, the hoof gets screwed up, screwed up quite a bit. Uh, so check out uh, the Hoof GP on YouTube. Highly recommend. Once again, if you're squeamish, maybe maybe look away from time to time. Gotcha. That sounds like fun. Interesting. Totally different thing you would never think to look at. Yeah, never. 
Yeah, it's like the vacuum page from last time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how I find I, there's some great stuff on YouTube. Guys. It's so fascinating. A lot of passionate people. Um, I will give a wreck a warn to Downton Abbey. So I would never have watched this show on my own. My parents watched it a long time ago, but I'm trading off shows with the new girlfriend. So she's going to eventually have to watch Star Trek. Um, <laughs> but I'm in a, and she one of her favorite shows of all time. Is, what was that? The jokes on her because yeah, there's a lot more Star Trek than there is Downton Abbey. Um, right. But she loves the show. Um, and she's in tons of nerdy shows as well, but this just happens to be one of her favorites. And so I the wreck of Warren part is that the first like five episodes, there's only like eight episodes in season one because so short British seasons um, work really slow and sloggy. Not a lot's going on. You're like, why do I care about this? There's just these rich people problems. There's not a lot of stakes here. Um, and then all of a sudden, by episode six, I'm like, are they going to clean the drapes before the, the Duke comes over? Are they going to clean them? What's going to happen if he, they don't clean them? I'm like, I don't want to know. <laughs> I'm like, why do I care so much? So it's really weird. You get really into this really high, you know, society problems that are have very low stakes, but just suddenly becomes you're super fascinated with the acting is so good. Hey, hey don't leave me hanging. Do they clean the drapes? Oh, they clean the drapes. Oh, just barely. Shit. Just barely. The Duke will be pleased. <laughs> and then maybe he'll marry my daughter. Maybe. If the drapes are cleaned. So it's just so <laughs> fascinating. Lots of great um, actors you'll recognize from other British movies and shows. Um, and it's just and beautiful costumes and everything looks completely authentic. Obviously, a lot of money goes into it. Um, so I mean, I'm late to the game. The movie just came out um, to kind of put a cap it to the whole series. But um, we're starting from the beginning. I'm, I'm done with season one now. Um, so I would recommend Downton Abbey to those. But if it's it might be a okay. little too slow and too British for some. But otherwise, check it out. All right. So that takes us to our thank you section. Does it? Which no longer. <laughs> okay. Uh, so a quick shout out and thank you to Sean Vanderloo, longtime friend of the podcast and host over at Rusted Robot Podcast and The Soul Forge. Uh, he, on his most recent Rusted Robot Podcast, and I think kind of his Halloween episode, uh, recommended us to uh, one of his co-hosts. Uh, for our zombie episode. He yes. gave us a shout out. So thank you, Sean, for recommending. Once again, that is Sean of the Rusted Robot and Soul Forge podcast plug. Not like we don't talk about it enough. But now it's formal. <laughs> yes, of course. So thank you. But once again, if you all write to us, we'll, we'll read whatever. Yeah. We like when people say things to us. Shoot us an email. Contact right, well, at a playonnerds.com. Yeah, anything at a playonnerds.com, you'll get us. Uh, well thank you for joining us for our spooky halloween spectacular uh keep on coming back and being our nerdy audience and we'll keep coming on back and being your nerdy co-hosts thanks again internet stay nerdy and spooky my friends thanks for listening to a play on nerds Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how? How?